Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. And welcome to episode one of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sai, your very unqualified and out of depth host. Uh, thank you very much for pressing the play button, and I hope that you can find some entertainment in the next hour or so. Before we get on to our main discussion with today's guest, I wanted to give a bit of a rough idea of what I hope to be doing with the podcast in the coming weeks. We will at times be looking at modern wrestling and the current product from AEW, WWE, NXT and everywhere else. However, as anyone who has read some of my articles online will know, uh, my main love for professional wrestling is based more in the nostalgia side of things. So I will be looking back on old shows, uh, ex-wrestlers, angles, um, promotions, various topics with lots of different guests. Guests will vary from other podcasters, content creators, writers... Uh, Even some people who have actually been in the ring themselves, so we can get a different perspective from there. You can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter, at SJP Wrestling Pod. You can find me, Sai, at SJP Words. I will be constantly looking for feedback and any interactions about topics, ideas, suggestions for the show. The more we interact, ultimately, the better I can make the show for anyone who wants to listen. Uh, But that's enough of that for now. So we're going to move on to today's topic, which is discussing all things war games with today's guest. I'm very, very lucky to have the podfather himself, Mags, from Why We Watch Pod, Five Rounds Pod, and Badlands Pod, on my first episode. He's been hugely supportive as I try and put this thing together. Very patient with me and my lack of technical knowledge. Uh, very patient with me and my lack of patience myself. I cannot thank the guy enough. But hopefully you'll enjoy the discussion. Please let me know online again at SJP Wrestling Pod what you think. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Hi, Max. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm glad to, to be on your your debut podcast. It's been a, a quite a while coming. Um, just cool to, to be involved and uh, good to see you um, like making moves and, and getting your voice out there. Yes, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, Absolutely not a problem. Yeah, it has been a little while coming. I'm, uh, partially because I'm a fairly busy bloke and another partially because I'm uh, sometimes quite lazy when I'm not busy. <laughs> so that can be a reason why it's been delayed. Um, I've had a few things going on uh, writing-wise and obviously I shared the story with you a week or so ago where I had a proper tantrum at home where I couldn't get mm-hmm. the microphone to work. Um <laughs> spent a good hour messing around trying to get things to work correctly and then it turned out i didn't actually have the damn thing plugged in <laughs> that's brilliant i've i've when I, I remember like some of the 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 hatchet jobs for podcasts that i did at the beginning uh yeah i, I can i totally feel your pain there you you just the slightest problem is massive when you when you're first starting out 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as I've spoken with you a few times um, over Twitter and so on, you're aware how nervous I have been mm-hmm. coming towards this first this first recording. Um, and that one day, I think it just got the better of me. I had a proper little childish tantrum, threw my toys out the pram. <laughs> and then when I realised that I hadn't actually plugged the microphone incorrectly, and that was the problem, I felt even more ridiculous than I did when I was having the issue in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to the best of us, don't worry. No, well, like I said, I really appreciate you uh, you coming on for the first the first episode. That's great. Again, thank you very much for that. No um before we start talking about our topic today of uh, all things war games, mm-hmm. I thought we'd just have a little a little look at what's been going on in the wrestling world in general over the last week or two. Um, I mean, first of all, I haven't spoken to you properly in quite a while, sort of pre-lockdown, I think. Um, mm, yeah. So how are you finding wrestling with no fans and with the lockdown situation going on? Yeah, it, it's weird. Um, some shows, it doesn't particularly bother me. I mean, like I watch AEW Dynamite, uh, and the fans, obviously, they, they have a lot of the, uh, the the wrestlers as the fans there. So it, it kind of gives off that vibe that there are there, there is an audience. But then you'll watch... Uh, Raw and SmackDown, and it, it's it's all it's really jarring not to have a huge audience there. Uh, obviously, they've got they've got the the uh, performance center trainees, but it, it's really not the same when you when you're used to like five ten thousand people watching a show. And I think to be fair, the 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 promotion that suffered the most is actually NXT. I think NXT. The, the the fans are almost like a third person in the ring. They they really are part of the show. Not having those those uh those fans there is is really kind of you you miss them when they're not there. Even though a lot of the times you you think they're they're idiots and uh, they kind of like make the show about themselves, but you do miss them when they're not there. Yeah, no, I I think that's spot on. Um, I, I agree, actually, NXT. I, I don't watch masses and masses of NXT. I try and catch it when I can. I watch mm-hmm. all the takeovers and so on. Um, but I agree, what I have seen of NXT it has really affected the product. Mm-hmm. Um, Raw and SmackDown, I find a difficult watch when there were fans there. Yeah, same. Um, so, I mean, with fans not being there, it's made it even more awkward. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched this week's SmackDown yet, which was, I think, the first episode in this new Thunderdome gimmick they're they're doing. So I'm not quite sure how that has worked out yet. But obviously, that's going to be the same for SummerSlam as well, I believe, isn't it? In, mm-hmm. in the new Thunderdome from what screens saw, and so on. From what I saw of it, I mean, I, I caught uh, a lot of the the tester uh, what they did the 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 day before with the with the couple of matches. And I saw uh, some of SmackDown, and it, I thought it worked really, really well. There's a there's a lot of kind of a fifty fifty about it on on wrestling Twitter. A lot of people can't stand it. A lot of people think it's amazing. I, for me, I think it's a positive because not only does it give off the vibe that there's fans there, uh, people can react to what's what's happening uh, in the ring, but it also gives it, uh, the opportunity for for people who wouldn't necessarily be able to go to uh, a WWE event. To, to put the name forward and, and to, to get on the show. I mean, us in, in Britain, we'd never, it would be very rare that we would get the opportunity to go to a SummerSlam. Uh, and it, that opportunity is now available for people. So yeah, I, I think it's a good thing, especially if we're going to be in this situation for a long time. Uh, there doesn't seem to be like a, any ending sight. I think it's, a, it's good to get fans back involved 
and make sure that they're still safe. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a positive move. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's it's good that um, they are trying something new. Mm-hmm. It, it's obviously not worked greatly with some WWE shows, the, the no fans in the Performance Center and so on. You, you can't have it in an empty arena just bare as well, the size arenas they run, because the, the, the even lesser atmosphere they create they create would just disappear altogether then yeah. and I, I agree I, i'd not actually thought of it that way of fans being able to experience a summer slam who may normally would potentially not be able to that, that's a really good point that, that had not actually entered my mind so no that's that's another aspect to it i think which is a positive and i think if if wwe nxt AEW, and, and whoever else these these are unprecedented times these these are things that we've we've never experienced before um trying to do different things trying to do uh, just experimenting to try and get the best products they can out there for people i think they should be commended for that they, they should be praised for that they you know that's yeah, that's a I good mean, thing you know i mean even if it doesn't work and it goes down like a a fine church the fact that they're still trying to yes. to, to get fans involved um these are these are times that nobody's ever planned for. Nobody knew what's going on, and, and everyone's kind of like flying by the seat of the pants with this. And if they do something that doesn't work, I'd, I'd rather commend them for trying than for for not for not trying at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, some companies obviously have just grind to a halt altogether, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is a shame. And the NWA, I don't think, have done anything for quite a while. So that's that's Ring a shame. Yeah, Ring of Honor as well. Um, but no, it's 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 interesting times, trying times. It's good to see them attempting to do something new with that. Um, quickly, then two other things I suppose that have been quite prominent in the last couple of weeks. Um, first of all, the the sad passing of Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Uh, when I was, ooh, what I have been eleven, twelve years old, I remember his matches with the Undertaker, um, and he was somebody that when I was younger and still very much buying into what I saw on screen as as the gospel truth, so to speak. Um, I remember being quite terrified of this huge man slapping his stomach, wailing around the screen and so on. Um, obviously, he'd had some, some health issues for, for a while. But to, to me, it, it, Kamala was a, was a character that really stood out in my in, in my youth. So it was, it's, it's a big shame to hear of his, of his passing. Have you, have you got any memories for, of Kamala yourself or...? Uh, yeah, um, a lot of the the same kind of memories that you have uh, with uh, with his battles with the Undertaker. Again, well, when when we get to the main topic, he was uh, he was a, a major part of one of the the probably the biggest uh, war games matches. The 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 uh, Taskmaster's like mission to end Hulkamania. Uh, but for me, yes, the biggest takeaway that I've got from Kamala is not even to do with his wrestling. Uh, and I don't know if you'll have seen this, but did, uh, a, a while ago, WWE put out like a blooper reel of uh, of uh, Mean Gene Auckland uh, interviews. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, do you know which one I'm talking about? I um, think so, yeah. So, so basically, he's, he's interviewing um, uh, Kamala and, and his manager, and um, he's giving Kamala grief about missing an interview in, in St. Louis. And obviously Kamala's trying to play up to the to the character, 
uh, like obviously doesn't speak English, and yeah, uh, every question Jean's like, uh, "What's this about you missing this interview uh, Friday when you were when you were meant to be in St. Louis?" And, and uh, Kamala just goes, "Me doing oogie boogie," and it just cracks me <laughs> up. And you can you can tell that it was a character that that people loved, and it's yeah. just a shame that the way he he kind of really got ill. I think he lost uh, both his legs to, to diabetes and yeah. he, he was really ill at the end. And it's a, it's such a shame that these characters that we remember so fondly, they, they go out the way that they do. Yeah, it is. It is uh, very sad um, when you see them fall on hard times, mm-hmm. whether that's financially or health-wise or so on. Um, somebody else, I suppose, in the last week or two who's been in the news that's, um, potentially fallen on hard times, but is maybe more self-inflicted, and that's uh, former rocker Marty Janetti. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's an interesting person to follow on Facebook, is to put it mildly, I, I think. Some of, the, some of the comments he makes about um, certain ladies that he knows is, is sometimes quite distasteful. But then yeah. recently, he's, he's made public, I suppose, for want of a better term, that he's potentially killed someone. Yeah. That's... Allegedly, shall we say. <laughs> um, very, very odd, very, very strange individual in his later years, I find. What are your opinions on Genetti and this Facebook post that has caused him a little bit of a, a little bit of bother? Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's more worrying because it, it's not even the first time. If you remember a couple of years ago, he, there was a, a big, um, um, kind of furore about him putting a post up about wanting to to uh, have sexual relations with his uh, stepdaughter, which was that. Yeah, I remember that's correct. That yeah. was really weird. Uh, but going to to this this recent uh, issue, it, it's it's the wording that he uses. First of all, is very homophobic language. Mm-hmm. Um, just and the fact that he says it was the first time that he got rid of someone yeah uh, made someone disappear yeah that's yeah that a... that was weird and then he had an interview a couple of couple of days later where he, he fully doubled down on it and he said yeah I, I, I whooped this guy in the head with a brick and lobbed him in the river yeah the guys are weird is wrestling has has warped this kid's man and who would have known i mean wwe get a lot of grief for for short-term booking but who would have known that 30 years on Shawn michaels throwing marginetti through a barbershop window was actually a face turn <laughs> and not a heel turn oh, i was always a face turn for me even, <laughs> even when michaels was the heel he, 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 i worshipped that guy when i was a kid <laughs> yeah i, th- I think He's clearly meant. He's clearly got some mental health issues, and and it, it it's hard to kind of rag on the guy in, in terms of like because he's suffering. You can tell, and mm. I think wrestling's got a, a large part to play in it. I think he's very disillusioned with the business. I don't think he. I think he's very kind of bitter about how wrestling went, and that's led to to a cocktail of drink and drugs, which has, has kind of frazzled his brain. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah it's. Um, it just shows the kind of dark side of wrestling that we see the entertainment and the fun and, and the happiness. And these guys suffer behind the scenes for our enjoyment. Yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, even, I mean, he would have taken bumps to the head as well, I suppose, that nowadays maybe don't don't get used as often, certain chair shots and so on. I mean, that's going to, it's obvious looking at other people who um, we've 
heard of the the effects of these that some people may be walking around from that era with issues untreated that that could yeah. potentially p- play into his problems as well absolutely um, but there we go um shall we talk some war games max oh jesus christ <laughs> uh, yeah let's let's get this this turn in the punch ball out of the way that's it <laughs> see uh, the reason i selected war games as a topic for the for the first show really was quite a quite a selfish standpoint mm-hmm. um my memories my good memories of war games are very very good yeah. So initially, when I was trying to think of a topic for you and me to discuss for the first show, that, that popped in my head, and I thought, well, there's, there's got to be quite a few things we can discuss there. Mm-hmm. Having gone back and done the research properly after we discussed doing this topic, I'm now realising that the good points I remember are very good, but they only <laughs> they're, they're in a mix with a great deal of bad points that I've kind of forgotten. Until I've rewatched. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how, how did you find rewatching some of these old matches? I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, you, you look at wrestling sometimes, uh, or you look at your memories of wrestling, and you kind of remember them to be a lot, uh, a lot better than they were. You kind of automatically have rose-colored glasses on. Uh, but yeah, going back and watching these matches in uh, in twenty twenty hours. A lot. There's a lot of not good matches here, <laughs> um, but I, you can also feel that being a fan at that time, these would have been phenomenal matches because you get eight to ten massive stars in 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 one match, and it's just a, a massive spectacle. Uh, but now you look you look at them and you think, yeah, they were they weren't the best matches, or a lot of them weren't the best matches. No, no, very true. I mean, oh, oh, there was a great deal of them as well. Starting, I suppose, starting way back at the very beginning of, of the stipulation of, of the mm-hmm. of the match type. So many of them, I suppose, as well, have been unseen by many fans because they were on a touring schedule or a house show schedule, like the Great American Bash tour. I think it was originally back in the eighties. Yeah, when many, I when when I were doing uh, doing the same during doing research, I think there's like a run of about twelve. Uh, matches in in like about 16 days it did that they just went on a mad run of them and we we again we called wwe for for like overbooking stuff and kind of milking it dry but yeah they they milk this uh they milk this uh gimmick very dry yeah very much so very much so <laughs> um i mean starting i suppose early on then with regards to the the, the televised matches that we that are easy for people to see mm-hmm. um one of the earliest you can find is is the match at the Great American Bash in 1989, and, okay. and you have the teams there of the Midnight Express, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and the Road Warriors um, versus the Freebirds and the Samoan Swap Team. I'll be honest; until I went back and looked through these matches, I could not remember this happening. Um, obviously, I've been too young to have watched it first time round, but I'm. I, I'm I've seen a great deal of wrestling since I've got into into the industry, in, into watching matches myself. Um, I, I've I've seen a great deal. I've gone back and watched as much as I can. I cannot remember seeing this before. Amazingly, and I actually found it quite good. I quite enjoyed it. I yeah. don't know if this. I don't know if this is because it's the first one. Um, I don't know if this is because it's um, something I can't remember from previous occasions or the first time I have seen it. But I, I quite enjoyed this one. 
Yeah, same. I thought it was a a, a very decent match. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be biased because uh, the the Legion of Doom are in it. Uh, Ron right. Uh But yeah, it was a very fun, very entertaining match. Uh, yeah, there's there's not really a lot to say in terms of like outstanding action, but it was just exactly what you'd expect with the with the guys involved. Just hard hitting, um, yeah, brutal fighting. I mean, the entrances for me as well, the entrances were fantastic. The Three Birds music. Mm-hmm. I mean, the clothes the Three Birds were wearing as well, very much of the time, but still fantastic to look back on for me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Road Warriors on the bikes. Um, something that stood out for me as well, it, it was the cage. It was almost a dirty-looking black cage as opposed to the, the the more stainless steel, I suppose, cage of war games in later years. And I, I find that it made it a little easier to actually see what was going on at times. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the later, the, the cages from the later war games from like 91 onwards, they kind of like took away from the match in, in some cases for me because they did kind of stop you from seeing a lot of the action. Um, yeah. So I agree with you. I think, I think it was a bad change to change it to the, the cages they used then. And it was interesting that they, they rechanged it when they got to like the NXT uh, matches and kind of like made the cages a lot taller, uh, took the roof off uh, just to add a different dynamic to it, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I finished watching some of the NXT war games matches not long before me and you um, started recording. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really stands out with those. The fact that there is no roof and and they add the stipulation that if you escape the cage, your team forfeits, which I think is a clever way of making sure that that, that the no roof aspect is kind of excused in a way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the stunts from the top, I mean, Champa driving Cole through the tables in, in one of the more recent ones. It is is insane. I mean, you know it's coming, and it still took my breath away watching that back today. Um, that wouldn't have been possible in previous years with the, with the roof on the cage. No, and I think it's a, a sign of the times of uh, the style of wrestling. I think uh, the the lower cage uh, in the the early nineties uh, wrestle wars were. Um, it, it it worked. I mean, it was quite quite jarring considering like I'm I was used to the NXT versions. But so going back, it was kind kind of jarring to see only like a a six six and a half foot roof where the wrestlers can literally grab it without really having to stretch and and you you could tell it was it kind of fitted their wrestling style. They a lot of the wrestlers kind of grabbed the 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 fence to to use it almost as a weapon, or they they would grab their opponent and throw them up into the into the the roof. Um, so I think it's it's more they adapted it because of the more half line style that we get nowadays over the 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 literal brawling style of of the the early nineties. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That makes, that makes a great deal of sense. I mean, you, you mentioned there about the, the the roof being a certain height and people being able to grab it and swing from it and, and potentially uh, drop kick people swinging from it, I suppose, or bump their opponents into it. Um, the first instance, as you mentioned, of, of the, the sort of grey stainless steel cage was at WrestleWall 91, from what I could see looking back. And you have an instance of that there that is actually quite scary when you look at look back on it, where <laughs> Sid attempts to powerbomb Brian Pillman, and the the roof is 
relatively low. I mean, Sid's a Sid's a very very tall fella. I mean, was he six eight, six nine, potentially taller? I'm not hundred percent sure. But... His head was was nearly brushing the roof. Yeah, <laughs> with his uh, dried super noodle haircuts <laughs> effort going on. Yeah, um, but when he goes to powerbomb uh, flying Brian. Obviously, he catches the cage, brings him down a little bit sharper than maybe anticipated, and and, and I think damn near kills him. Yeah, pretty much legitimate. Uh, that's the one where El Gigante comes running out to oh, my word. to to kind of wave off the match. I, I thought that that was a very weird ending for for uh, for a war games. It, it's almost like it wasn't planned because Brian did look like he legitimately got hurt. Mm. Uh, but for me, that that fighting, that match in general, just felt like just a, a a mass brawl. There was no real technical wrestling skill in that match. It was literally just a brawl, but just delayed by the 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 time for the wrestlers to to be allowed to get in the ring. Um, and yeah, Flair and, and Sting got pretty caught up. Uh, it just didn't seem the safest kind of match you could have. No, no. I mean, you you mentioned El Gigante there. I've I've got very minimal notes on ninety one, um, and one of them literally says right in front of me here, El Gigante. Oh dear. Yeah. And and then and then the next line is very odd finish. And and I agree with you. It's a strange finish considering that there's a big point made with these war games matches that to lose there's no pinfall, no submission, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You literally have to give up you literally have to you have to quit yeah um to then just have someone who's not even involved in the match come into the ring and and call an end to proceedings because his his friend is in a bad way it was very very odd looking back um again it may be he was genuinely injured from from sid's you know spiking of him into the canvas i mean i don't know i'm not 100 percent sure um, obviously Wyndham's in there bleeding away like a madman as usual <laughs> <laughs> but one other thing I took away from from the 91 war games was I, I, I'm a, I, I like Tony Schiavone I like him on commentary I like him watching old nitros I like him on AEW now but I found him so irritating in this event the way he was calling the times and how long was left of each section of the match and so on. I'm assuming ring announcing isn't his forte, but my goodness, was he, was he getting on my nerves after a while during this match? Yeah. And I I, I can see that it was, it was annoying, but you can also see how it it was clear. He wasn't running with a script and the match wasn't scripted. Mm -hmm. It was literally, like I said, it just felt like a mass brawl. So, it, it was almost like he had to fill the air with whatever he could come up with. Uh, they they didn't know what was going to go on in the match, so they kind of had to wing it. Uh, so I, I kind of give him like a, I give him a pass for that because it it must be hard to to be on national TV to to millions of of listeners and and not have a clue what you're actually going to be talking about. Yeah, of course. I mean, a lot of the. A lot of the programs I, I watch back from, especially early nineties WCW time, you, you pick up a great deal of that, don't you? Where it seems mm-hmm. that they're just kind of winging it. I mean, if you watch WWF television of the same era, even down to the ring announcing, as as we mentioned with Shivani there, um, Howard Finkel tends to have a standard way of introducing people with the yeah. weight and where they're from and so on. Whereas whether it's Shivani or the normal ring announcer, it seems a little bit more haphazard all over the place. 
So maybe that was just a general theme for the company at the time. I mean, obviously they were changing management a great deal in the early 90s and cutting and chopping different people from different positions. And it does come across in little things like that on screen, I think. Yeah, and, and if when you get to the later WCW ones and they had uh, Michael Buffer involved, uh, I think a lot of the times they didn't even really give him a script. It was literally just he could say what he wanted. A, a couple, I remember a couple of times he got the rules wrong of the of the the, the war games, which I thought was hilarious considering they were paying him uh, uh, thirty thousand per show to to be there. Yeah, it was yeah. it was quite weird. Uh, what one thing I did do though, when I was looking uh, going through all the matches, uh, I I went through uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletters to get the the star ratings just to see oh, how just to see basically how I would rate them compared to how they got rated at the time. And this Wrestle One nineteen ninety one was rated a five star match. Uh, oh, why? Bad Dave, bad Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I enjoyed watching it, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing there what, what I would say would uh, would would go down as a five-star match. And it'd be interesting to see if he if he go back and rate these at the same same rating. Uh but yeah, there's the the first couple of wrestle wars both got five stars and then they quickly kind of like petered off when we got into the fall brawl era. Wow. Um, yeah. That's which uh... <laughs> which is understandable. Uh the 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 big uh, WCW versus uh NWO uh Hollywood and the NWO Wolfpack one where they kind of like changed it up a little bit. Uh that didn't do too bad. That got a four star. And then um the the last the last WCW one, uh WCW two thousand, that got a dud rating. Uh and then the 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 takeoff ones have have, have fared pretty well really. I think with that four and a half average for, for those ones. So yeah it's uh it's interesting to see these earlier um war games and how how well they were received at the time which is kind of what i said earlier um, uh, watching at that time as a fan you would have been uh amazed because it's, it's something new it's something fresh and you're seeing eight ten big stars all just beating the living piss out of each other yeah yeah definitely i mean with, with regards to that as well i think you can see um a pattern for the the strength of the card i guess mm-hmm. um with regards to who's in the War Games match. I mean, we just discussed 91. We'll move on to the next year, 92. To me, that's the best of the lot. This is this is the match for me. I'm a huge Dangerous Alliance fan. The talent in that match is incredible. Rude, Austin, Sting, Wyndham, everyone, their steamboat. It's it's incredible. And it's it's one of my favourite matches of all time. I'm incredibly biased towards this match at WrestleWar 92. However, when you look at the rest of the event you can see why the War Games main event was so strong. Because yeah. the rest of the event is incredibly weak. Um, barring the Steiner's tag match, which preceded the War Games contest itself, I mean, the Steiner's tag match is, is a bit of a hidden gem if, if people haven't seen it before. Um, that, that's, that's a great hard-hitting Steiner's contest. Um, but the, the War Games match itself was fantastic. That aside, they're really struggling and treading water with the rest of the card because so much star power is in the main event i mean as you said you're looking at eight or ten big names eight or ten main eventers or semi-main or top mid-card guys all being involved in one contest mm-hmm. it does weaken the rest of the card but on yeah. the other side of that if if you have a strong undercard 
then your war games contest itself kind of loses star power as well, doesn't it? I mean, if you, if you look at, say, for example, um, 95, the, the, the team facing against Hogan, it, it, was that the best they could do, heel-wise, at the time? What, what do we have there? Zodiac, Shark? You know, uh, it's, um, Ming, yeah. uh, Meng was in there. Yeah, that's right. Kamala. Yeah, I mean, obviously you had the storyline there of then trying to end Hulkamania as as everybody always was for a good couple of decades god bless him um but <laughs> it's it, to me it's it, it, it's very weak even if you do have sting and savage in there with hogan it it's a very weak looking event when you see the former earthquake dressed up as shark starting yeah. contest in comparison <laughs> to say what you saw in 92 yeah, um, I, I get that. But then, then to to be on on the other side of the coin, I actually found the the Fall Brawl '95 match more entertaining, even though the the star power on the on the heel side was was a lot weaker, just because the uh, the way that uh, Kamala and, and Meng like were involved in the match without even actually being in the match yet when they when they grabbed Savage's leg through the the bottom of the rope, um, and it it just seem to be more unique uh when when you were watching a lot of the the earlier war games there's there's very much a pattern to how the matches go they're very um it's very simplistic booking it's always the the heel will uh will win the toss the heel will, have, will always have like more in the ring than than the faces and then the faces obviously end up like more often than not winning the winning the match uh but yeah that that one was felt more interesting and plus there were the stakes of the 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 taskmaster having to spend 5 minutes in in the uh in the the cage with Hogan even though he was then attacked by by the giant afterwards but yeah just it was just a I found I found that that was quite an entertaining uh war games match there was there was a spot in there as well i thought it was very clever i mean i'll, I'll be honest with you i'm, I'm going to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of agree to disagree with you here I, I wasn't that taken with this contest mm-hmm. um but i did watch it straight after 92 and as i said 92 is my favorite so maybe i was a little bit uh, as we said earlier rose tinted glasses potentially but there was a spot in here that i thought was, was fantastic with when hogan came into the match when hogan entered the cage itself and you had the a couple of members of the opposition team waiting for him Mm-hmm. Rather than just running in and throwing punches and and doing the whole Superman act that we've seen from Hogan for so many years previously, throwing the powder, yeah, the salt, yeah, yeah. that that I thought that was incredibly clever. I mean, it's okay, quite heelish, and you know Hogan wasn't averse to those tactics even when he was still in the old red and yellow, but I, I thought it was quite a unique, quite an inventive way of doing something new with a spot that's been relatively tired and worn out by by this stage in 95 yeah i agree i thought it was it was very clever and if you look back over hogan's uh career whilst he was pretty much the ultimate babyface, he did do a lot of heelish things he always kind of like had to be hogan must pause at the end he did a lot of back rakes he did things like this where he chucked salt in the eyes yeah uh, so there was always that hint that hogan was not always the 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 best baby face. Uh, another thing, what happened in this '95 one, which I thought, found 
more funny than anything was when uh, Luger come in, um, started clotheslining literally everyone, and then clotheslined his own teammate. Uh, Randy Savage yeah. Uh, um, and then for a, another podcast I did recently there was another time where Luger comes out to attack his own team and then yeah, I, I think he uh, he, he had a, a fascination with kind of like attacking his own, his own side did, uh, yeah. did Lex Luger God bless Lex easily confused I'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to um, attacking your own teammates I suppose that brings us to, to the match in, in 98, I guess, with Team WCW, Team NWO, and Team Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me, it, it, again, it, I suppose it's the same way we were discussing WWE and AEW and, and other companies trying new things in the pandemic and trying to be inventive of how they do their television. I suppose we, we can't contradict ourselves by criticising WCW for not for, for tr- not trying to be more creative with the war games concept mm-hmm. but for me this just does not work you've got three separate teams of three in there but the winner gets a title shot whoever gets the pinfall gets a title shot against the champion so you have teammates attacking each other trying to earn themselves a title match um again it's it's a novel concept they're trying something new with a, a, an older stipulation but I sat watching, and I don't know whether it was because towards the end you had all the silliness with the smoke and the Ultimate Warrior, but I sort of left the end of this match looking at it and, and sort of the, the, the phrase running through my head was, what the hell? Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. It, well, it makes about as much sense as this match made. Um, <laughs> and I agree with you. Having, having a team going for a, a single goal... Um, it just absolutely does not make a lick of sense. It, this would have made more sense if it were just uh, a free throw, like a almost like a Royal Rumble style. Uh, but it, this was the Hogan show. This was when uh, we were deep in in Hogan kind of ruling with his own creative control, yeah. and it, and the Warrior was involved, so Hogan could could get that WrestleMania six win back. Um, the the Warrior stuff it was just absolutely stupid. Um, the the ring filling with smoke, then Warrior being in the ring, and then the ring filling with smoke again, and then Warrior wasn't in the ring, and he had his jack, uh, Hogan had all of his jacket. Warrior obviously did his sprint down to the ring, which he was famous for, and then coming to the end of the match, Warrior just kicks the shit out of the cage to escape because Hogan had locked the cage down, and all <laughs> while this is going on between Hogan and Warrior. DDP's picking up a, a, a win to become the number one contender. And again, this I, I looked at the, the star ratings and Dave Meltzer give this a four-star, four-star match. Uh, that which, zero sense to me. Yeah, it just, the match made zero sense. Absolutely yeah, exactly, made zero yeah. sense. I mean, Hogan beat the living piss out of Bret Hart, who was on his team. It just, yeah, I mean, yeah, also with, each team has its, has its designated captain. That that's announced beforehand um, or spoken about beforehand on the show. If if you're if you're captain of your team and you're deciding who goes in in which order, why would every captain not just put themselves in first? Because this isn't like previous War Games matches where you have to wait for everyone to be in the ring before the match starts, the match beyond, so to speak. Mm-hmm. This can end at any time, as you know the the highly paid Michael Buffer explains to us before the match. This could end at any any time. So why, as the captain with a world title shot on the line, wouldn't you put yourself in first? 
It makes yeah. zero sense. And it, it's all, if anything, it kind of takes me out the moment watching because if, if I've got somebody sat with me who's not massively into wrestling or is a wrestling fan but hasn't seen much from that era, one of my kids, for example, they enjoy wrestling but I haven't really seen much of, say, 98 back and they watch this, I could fully expect my 10-year-old daughter, my, who, you know, my 10-year-old daughter, to turn to me and say, well, that doesn't make sense, Daddy. Yeah, I, and if, I agree with you. <laughs> And how can I answer that? You know, it's... <laughs> And especially when you when you 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 know that the ring was cleared because uh, one of them had a, a a lead slapjack, whatever a slapjack is, uh, as a weapon, you would just be the first man in, have that on you, uh, and as soon as someone comes in, wail on them with the with the slapjack and pick up a very very quick victory and become number one contender. You're right; it didn't make a lick of sense, and I'm so I'm surprised that this got a four star rating, uh, but. It was entertaining because of how daft it was. Well, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was chaotic. And I mean, Hogan's entrance was what a minute and a half was still left on the clock. Yes, yeah, he didn't he? When uh, yeah. did Kevin Nash come in and then Hogan kind of snuck in behind him? Yeah, it just it makes no sense. But it was chaos. And but you know, at the same time, chaotic left me thinking, what the hell afterwards? No logic involved at all. But I watched it all the way through to the end because so I couldn't take my eyes off it. Yeah, and it it was it's it was kind of the epitome of of uh, WCW booking at that time. You could tell that the the guys in charge of the book were the guys in the ring. They they basically controlled it, and they, it didn't really have to make sense as long as they were the ones standing tall at the end of the end of the night. That's all that they were interested in. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm a big fan of, um, well, I suppose it's stating the obvious, really, but I'm a big fan of logic and things making sense in what I'm watching on screen. And when you get to that sort of, when we've just done was several minutes going, well, why has that happened? Why has that happened? <laughs> well, I think that explains, you know, <laughs> where we stand on that particular contest. Yeah. Speaking of things that don't really make sense and are a bit chaotic, um, how did you enjoy watching back War Games 2000? Russo's Revenge, whatever he was seeking revenge for. I'm not 100% no. certain. To, for all the grief we've just given Fall Brawl 1998, that was a masterpiece compared to War Games 2000. <laughs> I am not surprised that this this concept died a death after this. It To, to be fair... It's war games in name only, really. Yes, yeah, um, very much so. You can tell that this was uh, in the era of, of promoting with Ready to Rumble, uh, the the Triple Cage, another match that made absolutely not a lick of sense. Uh, and you can tell it was it was Kevin Nash and, and Vince Russo who booked this because Kevin Nash went in as the champion, threatened and beat up his own team but still came out as, as champion. Uh, it was just a weird, weird contest. You had uh, Chronic coming in as one one person, which didn't make a lick of <laughs> yeah. sense. They were attacked by the Harris brothers. Um, Steiner was the only one who actually, I mean, this is Steiner. Scott Steiner, one of the craziest people in wrestling. He was the only one who was sensible enough to to get up to the the, the cage with the belt straight away. Um, and then when all the guys were wrestling in the in the second cage, how they didn't fall through that cage is beyond me because that looked really really weak and bouncy. Um, yeah, it was just it was just nonsensical booking, absolutely nonsensical booking. Uh, the 
what was the the turn on Bret Hart on Goldberg about? I think this was the last ever Bret Hart appearance on Nitro, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, I'd have to look into that. I'm not so sure. I, I, that doesn't. I, there's so much went on in in this time. People coming and going, appearing, turning, going away again, forming alliances, parting ways the next week, or sometimes even on the same show. It, it's it's just so difficult to follow. And this match, I think, is a perfect example of. This is very much a snippet. A very much a an example of what was going on in WCW at this time, I think. Yeah, it absolutely were. Uh, I think was there a point where where people were getting handcuffed to the cage. Yeah, uh, people were getting hit with baseball bats. Uh, yeah, it was just weird. I, I think Russo was in hockey gear to stop to basically like stop him getting hurt, but still he ends up getting beat up. And I think at the end he gives the belt to to Nash uh, and let me just see if I can remember the ending because it's been a, a, a week or so since I watched this I think Goldberg had the belt he was about to to leave the cage and, and win Bret Hart runs down slams the gate into Goldberg and then Russo picked up the belt looked like Nash was going to choke slam Russo but then he just hands him the belt they hug and then they walk out just really weird nonsensical booking yeah exactly and it's and, and there were instances, obviously, during the match of Nash hitting Jarrett, of Nash, uh, like you said, striking his own teammates. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's all going to be a big swerve, bro, at the end, then why would he be punching his his teammates in the face? It makes, again, like you say, zero sense. Whatsoever. And why would they be taking it? Why would he, yeah. if his teammates were in on the in on the 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 swerve? Why would they be taking beatings off Kevin Nash? Exactly, and then to have the the title on the line in this match. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. From from one aspect, visually, I think it's quite striking. The, the triple cage. Mm-hmm. It is a ridiculous stipulation. It is. It is a ridiculous. And like you said, it is war games, literally just by name only. But to look at when they were lowering the cage down and and so on, it it is quite striking. Yeah. To see, and when you had. God knows how many bodies in there. Bottom cage, on top of the bottom cage, inside the middle cage, all scrapping on different levels. Again, visually to look at from from the one camera that was a bit more distant than the ones they were using on a regular basis, it was quite, a, again, quite a visual. If you had sort of a still of it, it would make a great image. But the whole thing, again, just made zero sense. I mean, this is a whole match set up by Vince Russo um, for Nash to defend his title when Nash doesn't want to defend his title, mm-hmm. just for Nash to keep his title at the end of it. I mean, what, what is this Russo's... Who's he getting revenge on? I, I, again, it, it baffles me completely. Uh, I think you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. If this was booked well, <laughs> mm-hmm. this could have been a, a really... It could have been a standout match because, like you said, the, the visual is striking. There were, there were a lot of... Uh, room to, to have some really memorable spots and it but it just ended up being a damp squib. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like you say then that, that was the last time we uh we saw war games on a on a main stream promotion for, for several, several years. Yeah, and hopefully seven, we, seventeen years I think. Yeah, and I think this is a, a nice point in, in in the conversation where we can talk about something a little bit more positive, I hope. The NXT resurrection of war games mm-hmm. the the three men's matches and the i think it's one ladies match they had the date isn't it 
Yeah. Um, how how do you find those? I mean, me personally, I I really enjoy what I've seen of each one. Um, it's a it's a big uptake on how we were left with Russo's efforts. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you were to break it break it down, they do follow the same kind of tropes. There's always a. Um, the heels will have the upper hand for for quite a while, yes. but then you you tend to get the the faith victory. So the storylines are, are are incredibly basic, but what what adds to this is the fact that these wrestlers are infinitely more talented than the wrestlers that that come before them. And that's not a slight on the wrestlers bef- that that were in the the previous war games. It's just that wrestling has moved on. People are naturally more uh, athletic. Um, there's there's more uh, crazy uh, spots and moves. They they changed up the cage, which we talked about earlier, which uh, kind of allows for a lot more uh, aerial attacks. Um, the fact that they added the, the shark cage, I thought, was a was a really interesting concept where um, basically the the team are there waiting rather than having to be around the ring. And I think in the later war games in WCW, they were actually they had to stay at the back. Uh, I think that that this is a really interesting concept because you can you can bring those uh, shark cages into play by, I think, um, the Undisputed Era have locked the cages before and thrown the keys away. And uh, obviously then you had the, the Tegan Knox being attacked by a Dakota car, which adds like a, a an extra ripple into these uh, these matches. But I think this boils down to the design of the cage and the talent of the wrestlers, which it's, it's kind of almost night and day with, with the early war games for me. Yeah, no, I agree. The the start cages, when they ran that initial advert, I can't remember if I saw it on NXT television or if I caught it on Twitter maybe, um, showing War Games was coming back. Mm -hmm. I was crazy excited. I was like a kid at Christmas because, again, because of my memories of the peaks of War Games, 92 and so on. I was so excited about this. When the show came around and I saw there was no roof, I saw the shark cages. I was, I heard that pinfalls were going to count again, as opposed to just quitting or giving up. It kind of took a bit of the wind out of my sails, because I was I was looking forward to seeing what made up the the happy memories I had from mm-hmm. back in the day. But the touches they've added after the match, I actually felt were positives as opposed to my initial negative feeling at the beginning like you, like you said the shark cage i mean it was killian dane i think wasn't it he he did he, he swallow well, the key he swallowed he the, swallowed key the locking, key yeah, yeah after yeah. locking the cage and so on he swallowed the key uh pete dunn ended up locked in the cage by uh, bobby fish bobby fish yeah yeah um and he threw the key somewhere into the crowd yeah that's right um all, all these things added to to the match, as opposed to sometimes when you see certain stipulations in WWE, that they try and do a, a stipulations from other companies with their own twist, or they try and do something from yesteryear with their own WWE-isms added to it, and it can sometimes take away from what you're watching. Yeah. With the War Games, I actually think they did a good job. I think it, it, it improved the product, the, the match altogether. It was, I mean, it was, the, the first one in 2017, the three teams of three, my first mind, my first mindset with that straight away was going back to 4 War 98. Yeah. 
with the two NWO sides and, and Piper's WCW team and how much of a mess that was and how confusing that was. But this worked really, really well. And a big plus point as well is with both members of the team in the cage entering at the same time, you only really had three entrants or three moments of entry and everyone was in the ring and it, it reached a point of everyone being involved much quicker. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it was, um, if, you wa- if you watch all these uh, takeovers uh, in order, you can kind of see where they, they're evolving really, really quickly. They, they, for the, for the, the second and third one, and, and obviously the ladies, you can see where they, they try new things because it's available to them. Uh, the, I think the first one was a, a really, really good, good match. But if you compare it to the second one, that had a lot more huge spots. There were a lot more uh, weapons. There were a lot more interesting things going on in the second one. And then you get to the third one, and obviously that's an absolute mind blow of a, of a of a show. Like I said, we had the air raid crash coming from the the, the top of the cage. It was just. Yeah, it, they just seem to like evolve so quickly, like under the the NXT banner. But I, I can honestly say I've I enjoyed watching every single one of the NXT ones. They really they felt fresh, which is something that's that's hard in in wrestling today. Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider the the first one um, was approaching three years ago now, and mm. how quickly this industry can move. Uh, with regards to the characters development and and even even match types and the way they produce the television, three years can be a long time. It, it can also be an eternity. But on on some instances, three years can three years can be you know a, a great period of time. But these still felt very very fresh, as you say, which which is great. And also with the most recent one in 2019, how big was that pop for when Kevin Owens arrived yeah. as the mystery partner? I mean, I, I'm a big Owens fan. Hearing his music, it, it's it was a great moment for me. And, and that, that again, is something slightly different because he wasn't in the shark cage at the beginning. It's, it's almost like these little experiments they have, these little tweaks they make. Everything for them, since they started redoing the War Games concept, I think as, as pretty much everything has worked. Yeah, and, and what makes the, the 2019 ones even better is the fact that they had two on the same show and... With with a concept like war games, um, the, if you've seen one, it can kind of take away from the second one because uh, you, you're watching essentially the same match. But the, the the women's one and the men's one felt so different, and they both kind of used the the rules of war games to to their own effect. That they they both were were really really unique uh, matches. Obviously, the the women's one was basically a two on 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 four match after uh, Dakota Carr took out Tegan and kind of turned on her team. So it really added like a, a different dimension. And then obviously the, the huge pops you got with, with Keith Lee uh, and uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, Champ, obviously, with that, that area crash is absolutely brilliant. I think, to be fair, the Undisputed Area have, have made these matches their own. I mean, they've only won one. Uh, so you can hardly call them like the, the kings of the War Games matches. But uh, yeah, they, when you see the Undisputed Era involved in a war games match, you, you kind of get excited because these guys are, are so talented and they, and they they're not they're not afraid to try something new to to see if it works. No, that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Cole fan for a start, but the rest of the Undisputed Era as well, just so talented. Each one of them, fantastic, 
fantastic workers, fantastic you know interviews and the whole gimmick and, and what a theme theme tune as well i'm, I'm a big geek i'm a big geek when it comes to entrance themes and i i love that record that's absolutely fantastic yeah i'm, okay. I'm actually wearing a, an undisputed era t-shirt now <laughs> ah okay right I'm, I'm wearing a crazy scott steiner top myself so go back to a different war, a war games of a different era maybe but there we go <laughs> okay um before i let you go max there's something i want to do uh, with any person I have on over the next however long this runs for and whoever I speak with. Um, and that's a very quick little segment I want to call Bin It, Book It, Best. And what I'm looking for, basically, is it doesn't have to necessarily be war games, even though that was the topic we're talking about today. It's an opportunity for you to almost, almost book wrestling through a time travel manner. Um, okay. with regards to Binit, I would like you to select one thing from wrestling past that was so atrocious or so poor or so ridiculous or embarrassing as a wrestling fan, you can just wipe it from wrestling history altogether. With regards to Book It, something that was, in your opinion, was great, but you think you could have ended it better, you think you could have uh, booked it better, you could have finished the storyline off better. And then lastly, just to end the show on something positive, the best moment of the trio something that really you love as a wrestling fan whether that's a show a certain performer a certain pay-per-view a certain match um it can go in any order you like bin it book it best away you go max what do you think Okay, uh, I think it's a, a really good idea, and uh, you mentioned it to me a, a couple of days ago. But I've I've kind of like tried to not think about it because I wanted to be kind of um, in the moment and see what kind of come to me on the fly. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. So the first thing I'll I'll go in order. Uh, bin it, and this is very much recency bias. Uh, I dare say that the, there's there's worse thing that's happened in wrestling, but for me, I would bin. Uh, Velveteen Dreams uh, come back. I think um, whether the guy is innocent or or guilty of, of the allegations, that's not for me to say. But mm-hmm. the fact is that these allegations are still up in the air. They're still uh, very raw and fresh, and and there seems to be no kind of conclusion to whether the guy has uh, is innocent or not. And I think bringing him back was very tone deaf on on the part of uh, WWE and NXT. Um, so yeah, I would bin uh, I would bin Velveteen Dreams' uh, recent comeback. Yeah, it's quite uh, uncomfortable to watch him on the screen, isn't it? Yeah, and and it, it for me it took away from what was a, an outstanding match the fact that it was involved, and you could even see that the 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 PC crowd were were kind of not happy that he was involved because everything he did was was metered with sal with was met with sal and so yeah I would bin Velveteen Dreams come back yeah uh, makes sense in terms of booking um and it's probably going to be a, a quite a popular one when you when you have other guests on I would book I would uh, I would like to have changed the invasion ah um, yes okay I'm a big fan of that period but again not always a big fan of how it ended excellent yeah stuff. let's hear your thoughts uh, I, w- I would have, if if it were me, I would have made a bigger play to get those big names that uh, were kind of sitting out on the contract. I think the invasion was potentially the biggest storyline that would have ever happened in wrestling. Uh, yeah. The two biggest companies, 
not only at that time, but in the world of wrestling, uh, basically colliding. And what we got was kind of like a shadow of what we should have got. I think WWE should have made a bigger play to, to get those uh, to get those talents in or even hold off on the invasion until they were able to secure those talents after they sat the Time Warner contracts out. Um, I think that an invasion with the NWO and with um, the likes of, of Savage and and Goldberg would have worked a lot better than the likes of Landstorm. And, and Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think it was just a, a massive mispotential. I can understand why WWE did it at the time. It was they literally. It was a big thing that they bought uh, WCW. They're going into the biggest event that they, they they'd ever had with WrestleMania 17. It, it, it kind of made sense that they would have a, an invasion angle. I would have just waited till you get the big players uh, yeah. involved. Uh, then for best. Uh, and it's one that I, I go to time and time. Well, I've actually got two, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break the rules uh, of your show straight away. I'll, I'll tell you what: if, if it's the very first time, maybe you're setting the rules as opposed to breaking them. <laughs> it's just that I've got two kind of moments in wrestling. It's, they're not particularly matches, uh, but they're two moments in wrestling that uh, mean the absolute world to me. Uh, the first one is. Uh, Shawn Michaels and and Ric Flair from WrestleMania 24. When uh, oh, yeah. we get we get to the end of the match, I'm not a, a massively emotional person. I've never been one that that really kind of gets gets upset about wrestling. It's entertainment at the end of the day. But knowing uh, what I know about about Ric Flair and how this this business was his life, knowing that how he felt about Shawn Michaels, and and then we get the. Uh, I'm sorry, I love you, super kick. Short, uh, Ric Flair, literally on his knees, basically begging to be to be finished off. Yeah, that moment, it still now would bring a, an absolute lump to my throat and I'd be welling up and holding back the tears. So I, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention that. Uh, but uh, to, to end it on a positive note, the, the, the biggest thing for me, and it's, it's probably the biggest debut of a wrestler ever, and I have got bias because he's, he's my goat of goats. It's uh, Chris Jericho turning up on Raw in uh, 1999 uh, after the countdown to the millennium, going head to head against The Rock in a in a in a uh, a promo. Yeah, just the the I've never felt electricity like that on a Raw before. Just the crowd just were absolutely on fire. Chris Jericho was a goddamn rock star from day one. Yeah, and it was just it was just amazing. I love I can watch that every single day and still enjoy it. So yeah, they'd be my two picks, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Great memories. And and that's a nice happy note to end the show on. Before I let you go, Mags, very quickly, if you could just let everyone know where they can find you on the old social media. Tell us a little bit about your own podcasts. I know you, you You've got quite a few on the go. <laughs> yeah, you're saying quickly. It's normally about a 10, 15 minutes kind of rundown. Uh, but no, uh, I'm, first of all, I want to say I fully appreciate being your first guest. And I know how hard you've worked in uh, behind the scenes to get this up and running. And yeah, and it's cool to see you uh, getting out there and, and getting your voice out there. I said to you when you were on my shows uh, that... I thought this was something that you'd be really good at. And yeah, I'm I'm 100% behind you. If you ever need any help or assistance or a guest, oh, well, yeah, give me a shout, definitely. I, I will I will be picking your brains for more and more advice, as uh, I already have been um, <laughs> on a very regular basis. And I appreciate absolutely. all the help you've given me. Thank you very much. 
Not a problem at all. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DAJKB. I'm usually in an argument with someone or getting blocked by someone. Uh, I have, uh, well, several podcasts, to be fair. Uh, if you like UFC, I've got a podcast with my son called Five Rounds, uh, where we where we discuss UFC events. Um, I've got a podcast called Why We Watch, where we I talk to fans and content creators about why they love watching people wrestle in their underwear. And then um, I've got a, a show called Badlands, which I share with my podcast wife, Mr. Paul Tolley, where we uh, discuss the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling and, and we have a different topic and a different guest every week. And, yeah, it just brings a little bit of, of fun back into into wrestling. Um, you can find links for them uh, all over my Twitter page or anywhere you uh, you uh, get your podcast from. Uh, I'm on three different networks. I'm on the Chair Shop Media Group. I'm on Smart to Death Radio and I'm on the Visionaries Global Media. So, yeah, just go and search them out uh Find my content. Have a have a listen. Give me give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. If you want to be a guest, uh, hit me up in the DMs. Yeah. Um, and again, thanks for like, having me on the show. No problem. No, thank you very much for for your time. And again, thank you very much for all the help you've given me trying to get this started and all the encouragement and reassuring me when I was having my little nervous wobbles. So no, thank you very much. I can't uh, I can't express enough how grateful I am to, to the help you've given me with this. Not a problem at all. Okay, stay safe. I'll speak to you soon. Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale.